This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. All right, welcome to this week's edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner here. Matt Gallivan is here as well. And we are pleased to be joined for the second time on this show. He was our very first guest and he's back again. Lavelle E. Neal III, Star Tribune Sports columnist. You can follow him on Twitter at Lavelle Neal, and he joins us now. How's it going, Lavelle? Doing great. It's good to know that I didn't screw up so much the first time. You guys actually wanted me back back on it again. Absolutely. Always, always good to have you. And uh, let, let's get right into it because there is uh, sometimes they call this uh, the the abyss. Now that the NBA has ended, obviously. NFL offseason, kind of a slow time before before training camp, even though they're in the news year round. But uh, but the baseball team here, and and we'll get into the Wolves draft maybe a little bit um, afterwards. But Minnesota Twins have remained in the headlines all year, justifiably. They've been in first for most of the season. Got fell out of it a little after the the series with the Guardians last week, but uh, a nice bounce back in Game Two of the doubleheader last night, and uh, and they're right now up three games but the big headline we have to start with this is Wes Johnson uh leaving for LSU mid-season and and really I mean if he wanted to take the job he had to leave now but still have you ever seen anything like this before Lavelle and what what was your initial reaction when you saw the news I'm still baffled by it to me it doesn't make any sense um and, and most of it I can understand his reasoning if he needs to be closer to his family if he doesn't like traveling. If those are issues, that's fine. Um, you know, he's a God-fearing man as well, and that actually, you know, driven a lot of his decisions. But I just have major problems with the timing of this. Timing of this. I don't know why LSU needed Wes Johnson in the fold right now. I don't know why Wes Johnson felt it was time to walk away from a major league gig with your, te- your team in first place in the middle of a season. Um, you can have Wes do a weekly Zoom call with potential recruits uh, from the from the ballpark at, at Target Field. Um, freaking college baseball doesn't start till February or January or whatever. Why does LSU need Wes Johnson uh, on their campus in, in June and July? It does not make any sense to me. And that's the one question that hasn't been answered in, in my mind satisfactorily. You, you know, kind of going, going off of that, um, Everybody seems to be making a big deal, like it's 60 games versus 162, you know, lesser workload. At the same time, the recruiting, you kind of get alluded to it a little bit. You know, he does that. He, he will have recruiting responsibilities. But I kind of agree with you at this at a school like that with the budget they have. They've got to have a lot of people doing recruiting. Right. I mean, it's not it's right. not like you have a bare bones staff there. They probably have almost as many coaches as players these these days. Uh, it's certainly doing the big leagues, and and yeah, yeah, like you said, you're leaving a first place team. It it, it was bizarre. And, and all you have to say is, oh, by the way, we're going to get Wes Johnson from Major League Baseball to be a pitching coach here. He doesn't even have to be in a room for that part. Yeah. And just say, you know, after the twin season's done, we're going to get Wes Johnson, Major League, highly credible, successful uh, pitching coach in the majors, to run our pitching staff. You'll be working with a guy who can show you how to get to the majors that you don't, you don't need Wes in the room for that part. 
All right, so we got that first uh, crazy topic out of the way. That uh, that certainly is the A topic. And Wes staying with the team through the end of the uh, Cleveland series, and then going on from there. It, Lavelle, do you think? Do you think the last thing on this? Because I just thought of it. Do you, what? What do you think the arrangement's going to be in terms of how they? how they deal with the pitching coach position the rest of the year. I know they have Pete Mackey and Louis Ramirez, who I know very well is, is on the staff and very well liked, but do they bring anyone up from the minor leagues or are they going to stick with those two guys? I think those two guys are going to be your main guys. I think they may see some other people play minor supportive roles and trying to, in the whole pitching structure there. It's going to be weird. Cause I mean, Wes meant so much. Um, West meant so much to them and what they were trying, what they were about and setting up the whole pitching program. It's going to be interesting to see who can actually, who's going to be like the, the end up being the decision maker. The other aspect of this too, is that Rocco pretty much let West be like, you want to call him the defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. He just let him, you know, he let, he let all the decisions, uh, left all the decisions to West. He deferred to West's decisions on pitching changes and who's available, who needs rest and things like that. Rocco may have to, start making some more of those decisions himself. And that's going to be interesting to see if uh, he's up to that task. Speaking of that, it, you know, there's been a lot of conversation this year about Rocco and the reliance on analytics to make these decisions, whether it's, uh, you know, rest days or, you know, pinch hitting decisions or, you know, how you pull a, you know, a pitcher that might be really hurling it well. What is your take on this balance between, you know, relying on the analytics versus reading the game and the dynamics and who's hot and, and how you navigate those two issues and, and sort of where the twins are falling right now on the, on the spectrum? Yeah, the, the starting pitchers have been, have been mar marginalized over recent years on this whole thing about how, it's dangerous to leave a pitcher in the third time through an order. It's when it's has become a thing. Um, they err on the side of caution. Um, they don't let they don't let starters like problem solve or work their way out of jams as much as they used to. And, and the Twins, you know, they came into this particular season saying we had a shortened spring training because of the lockout. Um, there's already signs of pitchers who. Um, Came who are breaking down in spring training across the league. We think there's going to be a lot of pitchers breaking down just because they weren't able to monitor their offseason throwing programs and guys aren't going to be ready after a three-week spring training to, to pitch deep in the game. And so they anticipated that. And I think they've been real careful um, with pitchers in terms of how long and deep they can go in the games because of that. Um, Chris Archer is a, is a separate entity onto itself because – He's coming back after two seasons where he's had thoracic outlet syndrome. He's had some other problems and they were determined to baby him so he can get his uh, feet under him. And so Chris has been plucked out, out of games in the fourth and fifth inning before he can even get a, a decision just because the Twins have aired, uh, have aired on the side of caution. I see where they're coming from in terms of trying to keep pitchers from getting injured. Uh, my thing is, it seems like in this day and age, pitchers are just going to break down anyway. So you might as well get what you can out of them uh, until they break down and just make sure you have someone ready to step in. I think the Twins did do a better job this year of having options uh, in terms of 
uh, guys from the minor leagues or guys stashed at AAA that they could rely on when things went haywire. Um, that said, they still had this, you know, the fact they had to start Chichi Gonzalez uh, was troubling. And I think they also just signed, I think it's signed Aaron Sanchez a couple weeks ago. He's sitting there at AAA waiting for another mistake to happen. So um, it's been a wacky year because they've already had a lot of pitch injuries. So I guess they, they made their own argument. They said, we're worried about pitches breaking down, so we have to be careful with them. Well, they've had pitches break, break down all right. So uh, we've seen it happen. So as uh, much as I hate it, uh, you know, they, they may have the, they may have the, uh, they may have uh, the ammunition to, to uh, that proves that their approach is the right one. Yeah, well, they started with a six-man rotation and the limited pitch counts, like you mentioned. Um, and ironically enough, the guy who hasn't either broken down and gone on the IL or gotten COVID is Chris Archer. Chris Archer, <laughs> so, yes. So, you know, who, who would have thought that uh, after he barely pitched in the big leagues for the last two years? So, so that was going to be my next thing because you mentioned Archer, and he's been so good in the month of June after having a pretty rough May. And they still haven't pushed him beyond five innings. For a while there, it wasn't beyond four innings. And well, at least at least I let him pitch throw seventy pitches now and again. Yeah, yeah. You know, at least get close up. to eighty. Yeah. Oh. Well, that that was that was the thing. So, do you think they are just so scared that if they push him much beyond, he breaks down, or is are, are you going to get to a point where he does go near or over a hundred pitches because? You know, they, they just need more out of him uh, because every time he pitches, you need to have a deep bullpen because he's only going to go five maximum. I actually talked to Rocco about the subject. He said, yes, they are concerned about him breaking down, but be an owner and they're at the point of the season now where, you know, they need innings. And so they're going to start pushing him a little bit to see how much more they can get out of him. I mean, you, you just can't have a starter go four innings and pull him. I mean, even this day and age, that's a little, that's a little ridiculous. So they know that uh, this is time for them to, to, to stretch guys out here and try to keep the bullpen off the field as long as possible. Yeah. And I hope that the, the third time through the order, I get having a plan before the game about that by all means, you know, have your plan. But if a guy's rolling, like the game I was at that really was maddening was the Devin Smeltzer seven shutout innings against Kansas city. And he had faced like two over the minimum. He had 80 pitches. And right, uh, right. and then they brought in Duff. It's not, say, it depends who you're bringing in, too. And the bullpen was gassed that night. They didn't really have their their A options. And they brought in Duffy. And we, we saw what happened. He blew the game. And Smeltzer was rolling. That's a case where the other team is saying, thank God Smeltzer's out of the game because we couldn't touch him. No. Yeah. It's remarkable what Smeltzer's doing because he doesn't have drop dead stuff. Yeah. He doesn't overpower guys. He doesn't have a nasty out pitch, but somehow he's, he's starting to blow through these batting orders uh, with ease here and uh, props to him. Cause he's saved their bacon uh, when they've needed him to, when they, they when they needed it the most. Um, so, I mean, yeah. And, and that's a guy I wouldn't worry about running him into the ground. I let Smelser throw a hundred pitches every start now and see where it ends up. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, and Duffy was struggling too. He's trying to remake himself on the fly here. He's mixing in more changeups. Uh, it seems like he's having some success with that. So uh, we'll see uh, if Duffy can be serviceable here, um, you know, during the second half of the season because they they uh, they definitely need it. Uh, no doubt they need his contributions.
Yeah, I think Smeltzer, uh, Smeltzer has kind of what you can't measure, too. He's got a lot of grit and his, his life story, I mean, just incredible. Um, so I, I think he, he knows that uh, he, he was ready coming into the year. There have been some good stories stories about him and just how, how he was ready to seize the opportunity. And you're, you're right, he's, he's really saved him big time. Matt, go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Duffy, and you you obviously had Pagan yesterday, you know, what do they do about the bullpen? What kind of moves would you like to see them make? And beyond the bullpen, where, where do you think there is the greatest need or vulnerability for the team that, you know, maybe they need to do something at the, the deadline? I'd like to see him get one starter and one, and one reliever with a live-ass arm. And I think that would do wonders for the entire pitching staff. Uh, another credible starter could be Frankie Montas. It could be Iglesias from the uh, Reds. I think would fit nicely in that rotation. Um, it may cost them a lot, you know, but um, they got to look into it. And they definitely need uh, another quality arm in a bullpen. It looks like, I don't know if Akala is going to pitch at all the rest of the year, you know, with his forearm issue. So, I mean, that's troubling. That would have been a nice one-two punch to have Akala and Duran there in the final innings. Um but uh, unfortunately, they don't. So it'd be cool to see if they come up with another le- reliever, maybe a quality lefty to, to help Thielbar out too late in games. And Thielbar is good against lefties. I know the numbers don't look good, but I think he's an effective guy against left-handed hitters. Um, it, it, if they could find another quality lefty, that would help. Um, I um, uh, The Chris Paddock trade, in my mind, should never have been made um, just because he's already had a Tommy John surgery. And... Um, now he's had a second surgery. The, the odds of him being uh, ha, uh, being successful are way low now. The guys who've had two Tommy John surgeries and come back to pitch well, it's just the, the percentage is really low. And that cost him uh, Taylor Rogers, who would have been a setup guy for Duran, and that would have been pretty nice because Rogers can get lefties and righties out. Um, uh, that was just a trade I think that didn't need to be made. Uh, the Mets looked at Paddock's me- medicals when they were contemplating trading for him. And they said, no way. For some reason, the huh. twins said, we'll take him on. And that's a head scratcher to me. Yeah, they were so desperate there to get another starter, I think, after yeah. the after the Correa signing. Then people are like, well, you got to go for it. You got to go for it now. But I th- think you're right. That kind of reeked of desperation almost. And it may be because they didn't think they were going to sign Rodgers after the year. But right. still, he's so valuable for this year. And, and maybe why not? Consider and, signing him without good. And I'll get knowing how they think about being careful about pitches breaking down. What made Paddock more appealing to them, considering his background? So yeah. that uh, that baffled me, but it worked out. You, you no, know, it didn't work out. Yeah, no, it worked what am out I saying? For, it's working out for the Padres. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we, we've talked a lot about pitching almost exclusively, and uh, one hitter who returned is Jorge Polanco. And he seems to just be that glue guy immediately when he comes back, you know, takes outstanding bats, helps them win the, the second game of that doubleheader after devastating first loss. Do, do they have enough, you think, in the lineup? I've said I think they could use another bopper and maybe even a speed guy off the bench if you're getting really greedy. But uh, do, you, do you think they have enough there hitting-wise? I think they do. Um and I think that once you have Arias, Buxton, Correa, and Polanco uh, in the same bat in the same lineup, you've got a pretty good offensive quartet there. 
I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Alex, uh, Alex Kirilov in his return to the majors. Uh, that I think, you know, him batting fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, is a good thing. Um, so I, I like that. I like what they're, I like what they're summing here, there in that regard. Um, Max Kepler needs to up his game. I don't know what's going on with him, but he has not, um, he's not been the same ever since he got COVID last year. He's a little bit better than last year, but he's not the Kepler who was mashing 30 homers and driving them runs a couple of few years ago. Um, you know, occasional par from Sanchez, um, occasional good at bats from Urshela. It's a lineup that can work, um, especially when you have four above average guys, four guys who, let's see, Arias should go to the All-Star game this year. Buxton's the All-Star when he's healthy. Correa's a multi-time All-Star, and Jorge Polanco's been to All-Star game. So you've got four guys with star credentials in a batting order, and a lot of teams don't have that. So I'm not. I'm more worried about the the pitchers than I am the hitters with the Twins. Lavelle, what do you do about if you're the Twins and it's you know with Lewis's unfortunate injury, um, it, you know it provided a little bit of relief in terms of sort of the the gluttony of you know players at certain positions, but how do you handle with Sano coming back now? And admittedly, <laughs> I'm not a Sano guy, but you know. Sano, Urshela, Sanchez, you know, Larna, Kirilov, you know, Kepler, this mix of, you know, Miranda maybe thrown in there, you know, players that need kind of more at bats, um, you know, in the, the case of the younger guys or guys coming back from injury, how do you make it work? Or is this something, a situation where someone's got to go in order to, you know, sort of fix it? Well, I don't know how much use um, Sano is going to be um, before the season's over. I think it seems like mentally the Twins are already moved on from him. Um, they've been real meticulous and real uh, methodical about his recovery after knee surgery. He is just starting to take live bat in practice now. So like, maybe next week or maybe next week or 10 days, he may start playing in some games down in Fort Myers and then maybe going to official rehab assignment. But I, I'm not expecting to see Sano to, what is it, yeah maybe late July, early August, you know, um, maybe if the Twins are really diabolical, they bring him back in the middle of July. He has a, a hot couple of weeks and then maybe they <laughs> trade him before the deadline in August. Um, That'd be great. Uh, Cause I, they're not going to pick up his option now. And I just think his career with the twins is, uh, is about over here. Uh, they gave it a shot. It didn't work out. He's got great power, but he gets overpowered by, you know, um, slightly above average fastballs. And um, he doesn't recognize breaking balls as well as he should. So, um, and he's not been able to make the adjustments to that. And I think, uh, I think the Twins are ready to move on. They also know that in order to save Buxton's from wear and tear, they're going to have to use him at DH sometimes, maybe a rise at DH. And uh, they want to keep that spot open for other guys. So um, I, I think if, if Sano does return to the team in the next month, he'll be a bench player. He'll be a platoon player. He may just play against lefties only, like he was last year when uh, before they traded Nelson Cruz. So, um, I just I just think uh, everything that all the indications are is that this marriage is about to uh, end <laughs> in divorce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. I, I think the tea leaves certainly certainly pointing that way. But uh, you're right; he can have those stretches for for two weeks where he's one of the best hitters in the American League, and yeah. uh, hopefully he can do that if he if he does. If he does return, I, I'm interested to get your take on this. 
because in 2019, we don't have a ton of history with this front office in terms of a team in contention at the deadline. 2020, you kind of need to throw out because mm -hmm. the COVID deadline, you know, hard to really glean anything from that. But you can look at 2019, where they had the most home runs in the history of baseball, granted with the with the uh, the baseball with a lot of pop, but everyone was playing with that. And their offense was lights out um, right there with the Yankees. And right. I know they tried to get Stroman at the deadline. Who knows what the full story is with that? We, we, we may never know. But they their moves at the deadline were underwhelming. They got a couple of bullpen arms. One was hurt, and one was Romo, who did help them. But how aggressive should they be and will they be, in, in your opinion? Because this may be the only year with Correa. Should they? I mean, other than the Yankee, Yankees and Astros, if they make some moves, maybe they can get to the level where they can compete with those guys. What do you think? Well, I think they I think they have to be aggressive. Um, I think they um they, they're probably gonna try to do the same thing they do with Paddock, uh just find a healthier version. Uh find a guy who can also be under control for a year or two afterwards and put him in the bullpen. Because, you know, even with Korea leaving next year, we have to admit that, you know, the twins rotation going forward next year is gonna be pretty interesting because you have Sonny Gray, you have Joe Ryan, you have Bailey Ober, you have Josh Winder. Um and you'll have Kenta Maeda back from Tommy John surgery. You know, that's a very capable starting five. Um, actually, the more I talk, think about it, maybe they will not trade for a starter. Um, so uh, the key will be trying to fortify that bullpen. And so I think they will, they will, they will definitely drill down on that aspect. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't cost a lot to get a good reliever. I'm not saying trade for Blake Trining or, some, Trining or someone like that or Liam Hendricks because uh, those guys are going to – require a lot or whatever Pl players of that caliber are going to take a lot but you can find a good setup guy you know for hopefully for you know something that's not going to you know tear their farm system apart so i think it's um very very possible that uh um that they'll they will definitely add a bullpen arm before the season's over and who knows i mean they may have to get a little crazy you know uh dangle jose miranda in the deal um, Dangle Larnick, um, I'd hold on to Kirilov right now, I think, but, uh, you know, um, find it, uh, someone in the minors, you know, uh, who, who we had, who, who we not seen from the minors yet. I maybe Strotman, uh, I mean, I'd be willing to trade him. I think I keep Simeon Woods Richardson right now. Cause he looks pretty good. Belazabek. Uh, Belazabek. Yeah, Belazabek. He's, he's struggled at triple A though. Yeah, he has. Um, but people still like that big arm of his, and they've yeah. been on that fastball, and believe in it. So agreed. Yeah. Do, do you good. sell? Do, do you sell high on someone like Balazovic, uh, uh, who's going to still tantalize with his potential? So um, there's, you know, uh, Austin Martin's having a terrible year. Or I don't know. Well, I haven't checked him lately. But he got to a horrible start at Double A. Um, I don't know if he's gotten much better since the, the terrible start. But uh, is that someone? that you they could look at as far as uh, you know dropping in the package to get what they want so it's going to be interesting because they i think they have capital to deal to to fill in holes so just it's a matter of finding what they think is the right mix the right uh, the right addition to the to the pitcher staff switching gears um as we're starting to run short on time I heard you on PA uh talking about the T Wolves draft you I mean you really were uh no, it didn't seem like you were a huge fan of the Kessler pick, but I, I'd be 
I wanted you to add on to that sort of what what are what's your thoughts on the the new regime's uh, first uh, draft here, as well as sort of the rumblings around you know free agents they go after and and the Delo situation. Well, I was you know they had no I mean it was going to be impossible for them to move up because I wanted them to get Mark Williams from Duke, who I think could contribute right away a little bit in the limited role. Um, but that it cost too much to move up in the draft. And as it turned out, they moved their pick and got two picks in that first round. Uh, Kessler was a defensive player of the year in college basketball, and he could block shots. I don't know if athletically uh, he's good enough to keep up with uh, uh, keep up with players in the NBA level. Um, and his offensive skill set, more he's more of a rim runner type guy who likes to dunk everything. Uh, I didn't see too much of many good post up moves or. Uh, he has taken he has taken uh, some three pointers. He, I'm not saying it's been good, but he's taken some three pointers, and that's more than Mark Williams takes. I think Mark Williams attempted one three pointer pointer all year with Duke, but Kessler I think tried like 30 three pointers this year, maybe shot like 28 30 percent. But he's going to have to take that shot if he's if if he's in a pick and roll situation, you know, and they're just going to double the ball handler and force the ball of his hands to him. He's got to knock down a jump shot, you know. The other thing, too, can he keep up uh, on a pick-and-roll defense um, when he's going to be switched on to smaller and quicker players? Does he have the footwork to keep up with him? Does he have the recovery ability to uh, to get back and block a shot if they get past him? Um, because if he has trouble defending the pick-and-roll in the NBA, they're running, at, they're running every play at him uh, on the other side, on the other end of the court. So those are the things Kessler's got to prove that uh, uh, he, can, he can do well. Um, D'Lo, uh, I, I, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm on the fence with D'Lo because I remember I looked at the whole body embodiment of the season and I thought he was better than the year before. He tried to play defense. He tried to be a team player. I was just aggravated by how things transpired in the postseason when he decided, well, I'm the guy who needs to make all these shots. I'm like, you have stars in Towns and Anthony Edwards that should get the ball here. And that was aggravating me. So, um, But decided to move on from him. It's going to be very interesting to see who they can bring in because, um, you know, they've been linked with a couple guys, but I don't know if they have the capital to make it happen. So, um, but, you know, overall, I like I, I like what Connolly is saying as far as enhancing the team and building and adding to the roster. Um, the big move is, remains to be seen. Are they going to trade for a big, uh, like Capella or something like that? Um, or do they have another deal involving D'Lo uh, up their sleeve? So, we don't know how to evaluate this front office yet until after they make their first big move. Yeah, it should be should be interesting. There, the Wolves are back uh, as a big time talker in this town, which is which is awesome. It's a good uh, thing. Yeah, the winter sports season was a lot more fun with two teams uh, to to talk about for sure. Uh, we didn't get to the Wild this time, but uh, I'll, I'll end it on a a a, a lighter note. Um, I saw I saw a great picture of you, Lavelle, on Twitter. It was during the beginning of a Twins game. You asked, what's the Twins score? Because you had a giant fish in your hand um, that, that, you had, that you had apparently caught. Uh, you're, you're enjoying the, uh, the Minnesota summers now that, uh, now that we've finally gotten into summer weather. Well, that's my first time out this year. I had a buddy who's got a boat, and so we're out by this dock uh, throwing some lines in the St. Croix, and uh, I pulled up a nice catfish. Uh, so um, that, was a, that, was, that was a lot of fun, uh, given that uh, I, had, I, I didn't fish at all last year. In fact, I'm not thinking about it. I didn't fish during COVID either. So uh, 2019 was probably the last time I, I threw a line in the water. So uh, it was just refreshing to get out there and, and you know, see what you can do out there. And uh, I threw some chicken liver out there, and the fish hit it. 
and um, it was it was fun reeling it in. And uh, uh, I hope to do more of that here before the summer ends. So yeah, the Twins game was not on, so I did have to chime in and say what's the score because I've been busy. And uh, <laughs> the columnist, the, the columnist can do that. Uh, beat beat writer life, maybe not. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's a lot of good stuff to do over the summer, and and when the twins are good, that makes the uh, summer even better in Minnesota. The best best time of year, according to uh, to most people, I think, who, mm-hmm. who live here year round. So, um, thanks so much, Lavelle. We could go on and on about uh, especially the twins because there's a lot uh, that's going to be coming up here the next uh, month leading into the trade deadline. So we'll have to have you back for a, a trade deadline special here soon. Sure, let's make it happen. All right, that's Lavelle E. Neal, Star Tribune sports columnist. You can follow him on Twitter at Lavelle Neal. For Matt Gallivan, I'm Marshall Kellner. Thanks again to Lavelle. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.